Hey, Gary. Yes? Hey, do you want to do a podcast with me where we explore core topics? Oh, fuck yeah. Yes. Hey, and let's call it Queer Nundrum. Oh, my God. Yes. Awesome. Please listen carefully. Welcome to our podcast, Queer Nundrum. I am your host, Holly Greystone. And I am your other fabulous host, Gary M. Thorin Jr. Thank you so much for joining us on our show, our Queer Nundrum. Just in case you're joining us for the first time, is a podcast aimed to educate ourselves and our community. So we look at everything, baby. Anything from history to historical events, events happening now, sci-fi, media, publications of any kind. We talk about it here on our show because we believe uh, a platform should be bringing our community together. And one way to do that is to educate ourselves. So that's where we're at. We're uh, we're the conundrum peeps. And that's what we do. And so we welcome. can turn anything to queer. Anything. And it will be fabulous and does not always have to involve glitter. But if it does, that's okay, too. So welcome to our show. We're going to get our, our act here kicked off. But, but just before we do that, Gary, you want to tell us what we're going to be talking about today? Well, today we're going to be talking about the actor Elliot Page and their transition I think that says it all. <laughs> I mean, it does. <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal actor. I can't wait to dive into uh, their history and where they're at now. I, I just, I believe they're doing a lot of good things for our community, and I'm excited to get into that conversation. So, on that note, though, Holly, yeah. now that we're, you know, we know we're talking about Elliot, what's been going on with you, dear lady, since we last talked? Since we last talked, yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, by the time this episode drops, I will be dropping into Hawaii. And for those of you who are outside the United States and may not know U- U.S. geography, Hawaii is a set of islands just off from our coast, in the Pacific Ocean. And it's about five hours in the airplane over a large body of water, which you would think, yes, that's a safe place to be if you're going to be in an airplane. I am finding that I have a little bit of anxiety about that. For some reason, I have a bit of anxiety about being in a plane over a body of water. I think because in my mind, like if there's an issue, we can land somewhere on the ground. Can I I tell you something that will help you with this? Yes. My grandmother, God rest her soul, she would say, well, don't worry about the flight. If you crash, that's going to kill you anyway. I can't say that that actually (laughs) helped, Gary. Let me check. (laughs) <laughs> no, that did not help. <laughs> I understand that. Well, the, the technology is, has advanced so much that when we have engine failures and stuff like that, it, between the skills of the pilots and the technology, they're able to, to, to bring the plane down safely, generally speaking. That's not always the case. And water landings are really the most preferred because there's a little bit more give with water, except for I understand uh, motion and it's, it's equivalency to the velocity squared. And that's not, that's not always the same. You could be hitting that, you could hit in that water almost as effective as hitting ground. Um, and sharks once you get to the water, you know, you just, yeah, <laughs> thanks man. I wasn't even thinking about the sharks. Now I'm thinking about sharks. Uh, well, on top of, on top of that, because of COVID, there's a lot of uh, because of COVID, there's a shortage of security uh, at the airport, which doesn't make me feel comfortable. Because of the domestic terrorism that is uh, on a rise and has been on a rise in this country and needs to be shut the f down asap. Um, on top of that, just in general, stupid people being mean and it just that makes me a little nervous. Then on top of that, there's slowdown. It's just I don't know. I avoid public transportation as much as I possibly can. I have utilized it when I've not been able to take myself to where I need to go. So it's a useful uh, infrastructure. It just makes me a little nervous. I didn't know this until I was faced with it currently. And my wonderful and amazing wife has just been showing me patience and grace. Uh, She's a traveler. She's gone all over the world. She knows a lot of things. She knows, she knows what's up. And she's just like, 
I feel like she looks at me as like, oh, you young human. It's okay. But I just, yeah, there's a little bit of nervousness there. Um, I think COVID has kind of made me a little too comfortable in my surroundings. And so I need to, I need to remember that. And part of it is just recognizing that that's where I'm at and take a breath and respect that where my body is at and the energy of where my body is at and just sit with that for a moment and walk myself through it. Uh, these are practices I've, I've gone through counseling for, uh, for other aspects of my life. And I find it's, it's helping now. So um, I'm really excited. Um, I haven't visited Hawaii. I've been learning the history and some of the general like, you know, hellos and stuff like that. Cause I feel it's very important to understand the culture where it's a different state, the city, country. We've talked about that before on the show. So I'm excited. I'm excited to go scuba diving with turtles and I don't know, ma- manta rays. I just, I'm excited to see what happens. So yeah. you're going to have a blast. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking as long to as that. you can get by with the plane, not crashing sharks, getting you or terrorists killing you. You'll be fine. Don't think twice about it. Oh, I mean, there's also, I mean, there's, there's so many other things I could go on that, but I won't because the reality is, <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing that's not in my control. I can't, I cannot control that. So, and you're nothing's going to happen. It's, it's going to go great. Even if it did, even if it did, it's out of my control. It's fine. It's fine. I might be carrying a teddy bear with me on the airplane while they fly first class. That's the other thing. I'm flying first class, which I've never done before because COVID, at the time we were buying our price uh, tickets, the prices had dropped so low that it was like, yeah, yeah, like this is probably only time that we'd be willing to spend money on first class because we usually don't care. We're like, yeah, sure, let's let's do that. So we got to order our breakfast and 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 do all that fun stuff. So once you go, once you go business, you're you're just not going to want to go backwards. And that's I'm what I've been told you. by a lot of people. Once you go business, I'm like, yeah, but also I like to spend the extra couple of bucks on other things, not just that. But I think it will be duration based. And yeah, for the long flights, in particular, you're you're going like to go Europe oh and stuff like that. I would, yeah. But although our technology is advancing so much, we're looking at the possibility in the next ten to fifteen years we can fly cross country in a matter of hours. So anyway, that's where, that's what's up with me. Um, we, I've officially landed on a dog name. Uh, the, the puppy rollout got a lot of great suggestions. I appreciate it. Um, it's mumble Skylord Greystone is the official final name of the new addition to our family and Bon Bon Jovi, obviously, which you're not a fan of is still the official name of my wife's Wife's I am rolling my eyes right now for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know. Mm-hmm. He absolutely is doing so. So uh they're in they're going through training <laughs> right now because we're we're traveling and we didn't think it was appropriate to bring new dogs in and then leave. So they're in the middle of a two-week training, which is fantastic. My dog, uh Max, he's our, our older older boy. He will be older getting puppy. older puppy. He will be getting doted on and probably put on a few pounds by the time I get back because uh the house sitter loves to like hang out and give him puppuccinos, which is just a cup of whipped cream. <laughs> so is Kevin, is Kevin watching Max? Kevin and, and, and the kiddos are watching. Okay. Right. Yeah. Is he, so, are, are they, are they having somebody stay at your place yes. or actually going? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Someone actually cool. stays here at the house, which is great. Cause that's what we, you know, really where the animals need. Um, so it's securing the house and doing all that good stuff that we have to take care of. Cool. Anyway, I mean, that's what's up with here. What's up with you? Well, again, it's I'm all work. Oh, wait, no. First, I'm going to say I am now at 237. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> okay. Wow. I guess. And thank you for coming to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our show. Yeah. And then, boy, it's been great. You know, so, now, so I'm at 237 today. I, um, I just posted on uh, my Twitter and on my Facebook pages and on Instagram uh, before and what my current weight yep. is right now. Yep. So I was specifically I why I say, fuck you. You're <laughs> only seven pounds more than I am right now. And my genetics, it just, they are like, you know, this is where we want you to be. And I was like, I don't want to be here. It sucks. Well, and I don't want you're to also don't worry about it now because you're going on vacation. So fuck it right now. You, right. Don't, don't but worry also about I have giant ass boobs and baby got back. So there's just that's just not going to that's not my body. And shape. my guess is Desiree doesn't want you to lose the boobs. So I mean, that's a guess. I would have to. Double yeah, I'm just I'm guessing I'm taking, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> I can hear going. God damn it. Gary, stop talking. 
Well, also, I don't, I don't like to put my wife in a category. So, like, for me, I would say I'm lesbian. For my wife, if I, you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily. You know? Oh, God, you lesbians are all alike. Uh, are we? Are we? Because I've a few lesbians who can't tear apart a car and put it back together again. So, anyway, anyway. as we got sidetracked, um, um, I'm, at two, I'm at 2.37 right now. I just had a doctor's appointment saying that everything's good. All my levels are right where they should be. So I'm doing great. Um, Excellent. Good job. So that's all going. That's going great. Um, I need to start working more on. I can tell I need to start working more back in the bodybuilding part. Getting, I'm doing some weights and shit like that. But I need to do more of that because I can tell I'm just losing muscle tone. Like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. And that's probably quick. great. And that. So really enjoying that. Um, I guess say, as I keep saying, work is oh my god busy right now i am i want to say i love my job i just by pure chance lucked into working in college settings dealing in dining halls and i love it but i just want to point out to this right now if there are any kids listening who happen to be in summer camps or going to colleges you know going to do their their groups please just take the stuff off the table when you when you leave the dining hall, oh we're God. not your servants. Just pick it up and take Why it. Why do the, they do that? I don't. Oh I, I see people do that at like like communal restaurants, like in the yeah. mall. They just leave their. They'll just get up and walk away. And it's like they purposely have trash cans in places for you to put your tray because and, it's your job to clean up after yourself. And here, everything goes onto a carousel that on the other side the dish. Washers actually put what recyclable they can do. They compost everything. So all they do is just this one step. They put it up there and they're done. And they can't seem to do it. It drives me crazy. And then, of course, the oldie but a goodie is undoing, uh, loosening all the lids on the salt and pepper shakers. So we're, you know, we had 450 oh. people in. And then we're trying to hurry to get everything done because we're all exhausted and somebody and, loosened them up. Yeah. And for tables that got spilled, you know, as we're trying to, the, the salt and pepper shakers went everywhere. So, so just guys, just remember, I know you're there to have fun, but please just do your job. The, the one right. job you have in there in the dining hall. And then I'm sure out there when you're in the dorm rooms, don't leave them a mess. I'm hearing horror stories about <laughs> so <laughs> this one like, group in particular. We already have a lot of shit in our lives right now. Let's not make <laughs> it worse. Do we so have yeah, to that, make it worse? <laughs> yeah, so that's what I've been dealing with my hours. Well, as you've seen my activity yeah. levels, like Jesus Christ, I'm just up and downstairs all the time, and that's great. I have the energy to do it now, so that's the awesome part. And I that love my great. job, and you're able to I get, get, paid well get to shit do done. It. So it's it's all good, but yeah, that, so that's what's been going on in my in my life now. Actually, I just thought we'd now start talking yeah. about. Jump into, into what's outstanding about Elliot Page. I would love yeah. to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really where we're going to start. Is um, I got a lot of this information from Netline. It is an article that says inside Elliot Page's life, his wife and parents. I also say that I cross checked with Wikipedia. Those are my two big ones on this part of it. Sure. Um, the article was done by Cheyenne Carew and did it in December 6, 2020. So. Elliot Page was born February 21st, 1987. I have to say two years after I graduated high school, but whatever. And so, <laughs> I was four years old. In Halifax, Nova Scotia. So she's a Canadian, you know, just like Schitt's Creek, you know, Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Love Canadian. <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> so, there was a minute I wasn't sure if you said that on purpose or I not. Did. I was about ready to correct you. No, she said that I too that. nicely. <laughs> I, I, saw, um, I saw that look on your face. You're like, wait, fucker, what are you doing? And then you're right, like, wait no, a minute. So, okay. You did that intentionally. <laughs> um, her uh, name of birth was Ellen Page. Her parents are Martha Phil Potts and Dennis Page. They divorced when Elliot was a child. Oh, I'm going to tell the listeners right now. I'm going to go back and forth on his and her. This uh, looking through all the stuff, this is one of the hardest ones where they didn't do one particular pronoun. So forgive me as I, I tried to honor the his, but it's gonna there's gonna be a couple of hers that come through. Okay, so 
I don't, I'm sorry right now. I'm sorry. Okay. So anyway, um, Elliot grew up in Nova Scotia and has been quoted as saying, loved growing up there, loved the stillness and beauty, told his mom he wanted to be an actor. His, his parents both wanted him to go to college. So the right. mom basically said, hey, a great way to act is go to college and be in these plays when you're acting. So they were really, I thought that was a good way of dealing with it. You know, they really wanted him to go to college. But so basically, and they said that you, you'll never get to work until, you know, until you get some college plays. So basically, Elliot's mom lied to him because by the age of 10, he was in the Canadian series Pit Pony. Right. Started off as a movie, became a series. Elliot's, Elliot's parents could not go on set with him for the various things he was doing because he was, he said in many of interviews, I was determined my parents couldn't stop. Me. So um, he was going to be an actor no matter what. Right. And so his parents couldn't, couldn't do anything for him because they each had full-time jobs. So they did fin- finagling and found different people who were already on set who would be the guardian of Elliot while he was doing these shows. He did. Uh, so when he did at the age of 16, he did the movie Hard Candy, which so deals good. with pedophilia. And I'm skipping around here and I'm going to yeah. list some of a little bit later, some of his movies, but I'm not going to go over all of them because he There's has a, done a lot for his age, a tremendous amount of movies. I'm not going to go over all of them because. And a lot of them got nominations anyway. Go um, yeah, but I, that part I wasn't too worried about. So on this particular one. So uh, he did the movie Hard Candy, which deals with pedophilia. For this movie, his father did accompany him because of the subject matter, but never was discouraged from doing the movie. For those of you who don't know what Hard Candy is about, she's going to come in now. It's it's a movie about a 14-year-old girl who convinces a pedophile who's 34 to comes to meet up basically flirting about sexual ideas and this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. basically drugs him ties him up and says i'm gonna fuck you up (laughs) so i'm not gonna get more than that because it's a very disturbing movie it's very disturbing and you really Um, should be it's an age-appropriate uh but and i'd also recommend really thinking about it before you watch it because it's very there are some disturbing things that happen Elliot Page was, at the age of 18, accused director Brett Ratner of homophobic and abusive behavior. He was not out of the closet yet, and this director outed him by telling another actress to go fuck her because she was actually a lesbian. So this is when she was still identifying as a woman. Ouch. Elliot had just been cast in the X-Men movie, The Last Stand. So Elliot had to go through this entire movie having that director outing her in such a terrible public way. Um, It has been known since then that this director has been accused by six actresses for doing terrible things to them. And his career is in the toilet now. It's shit. So good. You know, that's yeah. You're um, shit. You shouldn't have a career after that. Fix yourself so, before you wreck other people. So a quick just rundown of a couple, to me, the, the, the big points of his life in the movies. Um, start off doing Pit Pony movie in 1997, then the Pit Pony series from 1999 to 2000. This was, this was set in the early 1900s around a family in the coal industry. Next to me, the big leap that I leaped forward to was Hard Candy. This was the movie that, and he was 18 at the time, playing a 14-year-old, that got, I'm sorry, you have to use female pronouns for me, got her noticed as an actress because of her powerful performance. Right. And how she was able to hold her own against, you know, an actor who was twice her age. A lot of good notices for this movie. The movie is beautiful because it does start off thinking that she's going to be the one in trouble, and it's not. And I love how she screws with him in it. The next movie that we're going to be talking about is X-Men The Last Stand. Not going to get into the whole storyline behind it because if you're a nerd like me, right, 
you know it. And if you don't know it, you're never going to know it. So it doesn't just, matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I got a shit ending grin on my face. I'm like, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. So good. It's I'm a very, very nerding. good movie. Nerding. But very nerd. It's only for the nerds. So yes. next was 2007. She played a pregnant teen. And basically how she deals very unconventionally with <laughs> a teen pregnancy. Uh, um, that's a very good way of putting it. I Yeah. That was my first, that was my first exposure. My mom's first exposure was Trailer Park Boys. We had a conversation about, about uh, Elliot Page. And mine was Juno, and I had gone back and watched some of the other things before, prior to our recording. And I didn't talk about Trailer Park Boys, a couple of things there, because yeah. she's only in Trailer Park Doors five times, and but it wasn't. But it's just outstanding. Like that, for my mom, and, that but was it really a, marked, yeah. And, and it, it wasn't, and she was known critically more for Yes, the Juno thing, which is where she's really well known. Yeah, um, X Men got her known, but her character wasn't a real standout in that first movie. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was she was there. It was, I love the movie, but it wasn't a big standout. In 2010, she did Inception, mm-hmm. which basically my thing, how to explain that one is lots of fucking weird stuff happens. If you haven't seen it, you should, preferably on the big screen. Preferably, uh, you there's, know, it's. I don't want to get into the na- ad nauseum of everything on that one because just yeah, there's too much. It's but a it's whole amazing. Thing. It's, it's a, a thing. mind fuck and enjoy it. You yes. should. Next, I'm going to go back to X Men: Days of Future Past, mainly because it's my favorite X Men movie of the entire franchise. So, and you even even you non nerds should watch it just because you should. And it's very it is very nerdy. It does time travel. It has superheroes. So what more would you need? I mean, really, there's nothing more as far as I'm concerned you need with that. Next, we're dealing with Tales of the City, the 2019 version of it. And then I go into the Umbrella Academy. Okay, I'm going to go back to Tales of the City. It's done by Maupin. It's an amazing uh, look at San Francisco gay culture. They've had several series of it. The, and um, it all stems from some... Or some short stories that Amistad Maupin wrote in the 1970s. I'd recommend what, watching all of them. What show? The Umbrella Academy? Tales of the City. Sorry. Oh, Tales of the City. Got yeah, it. Sorry. Tales of the City. I was like, oh, Next, I'm going to, um, and I'm sorry. Nope. Backing up again. Tales of the City is something that as a queer boy, when I was first growing up watching it, it made me, it comforted me to know that there were queer people out there growing up where I did, I would have guessed I was the only person who felt that way. So that was good to, to see. Now we're going to move forward to Umbrella Academy, there we go. which is a Netflix and also on both these are on Netflix. Umbrella Academy came out the same year, 2019. I'm really curious about this one. I love this show. Mm-hmm. It's been on two seasons so far. Having a third, third one coming out. Um, so the first two seasons, it uh, was played by, you know, it was Ellen Page playing a, a girl part. So I'm curious what they're going to do. Cause they say they're going to keep, keep him in it and make it. Yes. So, and they so did I'm say that they're going to, they're going to change the credits to reflect that. But also uh, in the second season, there is conversation about her identity as part of the family, as part of the heroes, but also it made, it, it kind of left some openness to that being more, holistic not just on the powers but also perhaps even on the gender expression so i'm wondering things i don't see but i I don't i I don't know there's a there's an interview that was done with the the producer of the show and uh elliot page and they had talked about uh they're going to update the credits to have have elliot page's information on the credits which is fantastic for a production already in um you know, already having two seasons in and a third one that's been approved and having these these things that are going on uh, in their life. I My understanding is, and I'm speculating because it's not been confirmed 100%, but that there's that conversation where they will be able to play out some aspect of that as the character. But I don't know, fingers crossed, that'd be fantastic. Phenomenal actor, getting that opportunity would be fantastic. And so where it's all, what we're all saying here is that we're all speculating what's going on. We're we're excited that they're accepting of the transformation, and so we'll see. I 
they've done a great job for the first two seasons with all the characters. Oh, yeah. So I can't wait to see where it goes from here. After that, uh, basically, where my part is ending is that Elliot and her, and at the time, her wife, Emma Portner, met through Instagram in 2017 and got married about six months later. From that point, I'm letting Holly take over and I will probably interrupt her too. So <laughs> Yes, wonderful. That's what we do here. We love each other. This is this is us. So uh, just kind of picking up on that conversation. So at the time, Emma and, and, and Elliot had gotten married. They met through social media and they got married about six months later in early 2020, about December 2020. So before COVID hit, there was conversation in their marriage about Elliot's uh, identity, about who they are as a person. And then COVID hit and they had a lot of time in Nova Scotia just by themselves, uh, just kind of reflecting on who they are, really feeling out who they are as a person, and their identity, how they express that, how that represent, how they, how they can represent that in the true form that represents who they are. Uh, so they had lived apart. Now, if you guys follow Elliot Page, you would know that Ellen Page and, and Emma at the time, they were big on social media. All their pictures now have been taken down, but they came out on social media. They got they they just they talked about getting married, married, and they just they came out and did that through social media as well. It was a very private ceremony. They talk about their love and creativity together. Uh, then Emma talked about multiple social media platforms and news outlets. Their just love and admiration for their wife. Um, uh, Emma, her wife was getting used to the whole limelight and having all the, the photographers and all this stuff happening and still very supportive. And what we're seeing now, uh, as, as this time has gone on, they, they spent some time apart. They processed some things. Now, Elliot Page had come out and say, you know, I'm a transgender man. This is how I feel. This is who I am. And they wrote a letter. They came out on Instagram. They use Instagram as their platform. And they wrote a, a beautiful, thoughtful letter. And I'll, I'll just read you the, the kind of highlight here saying, this is back in uh, early December. Hi, friends. I wanted to share with you that I'm trans and my pronouns are he, they, and my name is Elliot. I feel lucky to be writing this to be here, to have arrived at this place in my life. I feel overwhelming gratitude for the incredible people who have been supporting me along this journey, and I cannot express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self. That is huge. That is very huge. And to basically, we don't know the conversations that they've been having with their, their wife at the time, Emma, at, but what we do know is that when this posted, Emma did reply and said, respectfully, respect my, my space, but know that I, I, I love you and I support you and I'm here for you and we should be supporting trans life. We should, trans life matters. A lot of positivity out there coming from, from, their, from their spouse. We don't know why they actually separated. We can speculate that they separated because Emma is is a lesbian woman who wants to be with a woman. It does not want to be with with a transgender uh, male, and that's understandable. And I and I get that. I, but again, we don't know what those conversations are because neither one of them have really talked about what that you know what that leading cause was. We do know that Elliot was the one that filed the the divorce papers, and they were finalized um, about eight months after that. At this point, I think in August. They still remain close friends. They potentially will collaborate on future things together, but right now they just need that space to kind of feel out who they are right, right now. Uh, Elliot, after dropping this letter, gained over 400,000 followers for since coming out and has become the forefront transgender like individual, like with popularity and recognition and having conversations with major outlets about trans lives matter and talking about how these legislations in Texas, for example, and how that is damaging to our youth, uh, Alabama, and just utilizing their social media, utilizing, utilizing their, their uh, basically their proverbial power as an actress, actor, excuse me, um, and, and to call attention to this and say, you know, youth, 
trans matter, trans lives matter. These are the conversations we need to be having. And I think that's fantastic. They're still in the middle of going through that transition. Hormone therapy takes a lot of time. Uh, they did, as we saw in our in a social media post um, by Elliot, I want to say it was like, gosh, at this point, maybe four weeks at the point of us recording, probably five weeks ago at the point of this recording, posted a picture of them in these beautiful uh, pose outside their swimming pool with their red shorts on and just showing that they have had their top surgery. And I'll go into a little bit what that means. There's some haters out there talking about how, uh, how inappropriate this is and how they've had, they probably had other types of surgery to get those cool looking abs. You know what? It doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. This is, they are clearly happy. Leave Elliot alone, whether or not they had ab, abdominal surgery or not it doesn't it doesn't matter i will say that's probably not likely the case they are already a slender build individual they're in the middle of hormonal therapy and are months out from having top surgery and it's it takes time for your body to reprocess all of that after 35 years of having hormones of a female and having your body readjust to accommodate male hormones to reflect who you are and the life you're living that takes time. And I, I just don't think it should matter to talk about whether or not this eight pack, six pack, whatever it's, that's not what we should be focusing on here. I think it's beautiful. I'm glad that they feel comfortable in their body. Uh, if you have not caught yet, Gary, or those who are listening, Elliot Page did do an Oprah interview, and I would love to play here a 30-second clip from that interview. So cue up your ears and get ready to hear this fabulous tale. This is your first interview on television as a trans man, Elliot Page. Behind the scenes, you were suffering depression, anxiety, panic attacks. It wasn't good. What do you want to say to those people who don't seem to think trans children dying matters? What part of your transition has actually brought you the most joy? It's it's fantastic. If you haven't had a chance to watch, it is available on Apple TV. So if you could get a hold of Apple TV Plus... They talk about, uh, so kind of that last question that Oprah asked there is like, what's the most joy? And Elliot was so emotional because you were, who wanted it be? You just you wanted to live your truth and haven't been able to figure that out. And now here you are finally figuring it out and how liberating that must feel. And they go and they touch their chest and they're crying. And they're like, I finally feel like, I, I mean, I can touch my chest and I can feel like that's my body. Like that makes sense. It resonates. It resonates with me. I can, I could get out of the shower and I could wrap a towel around me and look at myself in the mirror and recognize myself and be like, Hey, that's me. And that's huge. Uh, so having gender dysphoria is a huge issue. Recognizing that is important and having the conversations are important. And this is something that um, Elliot had struggled with for many, many years and has led to panic attacks and other other mental health issues because they've been so crushed by what society has said they are and what they've tried to force themselves to be without having that time to really resonate like who they actually are. And COVID, like many of us, has given us an opportunity to reflect on who we are and the and things that are important in our lives. And, and Elliot definitely was was able to take advantage of that and has had the the good fortune to do so because you know. You're not able to work as an actress at the time or the time actor. Um, I, the only, and I agree with everything you're saying. I do want to make sure that for any of our uh, transgender listeners out there right now, mm -hmm. that we understand his struggle was in a lot of ways, a lot easier than what your struggle is because he did have much more of the resources available to him because he could afford it. And I don't want to, by any means, take away from your struggles by Absolutely. focusing on Elliot. Absolutely, and they even they even mentioned that in uh, their interview in Time and Time Magazine and their interview with Oprah. 
they had a good fortune of having access to that uh, up in Canada and also just because they had the financial means. And they also are pro having those resources available to everybody. And I agree, everyone should have access to these resources. It shouldn't be obscured and it shouldn't be hard to obtain. Um, so let, I'm going to back up just a little bit here. I, I, I had mentioned that they've gone through what's called uh, the generic terminology is top surgery or male chest reconstruction. This is basically uh, where the breast tissue is removed, uh, depending on how much breast tissue there is. Sometimes there's more than the one incision on each side. Sometimes it's two. Um, often there in, in that case, there needs to be nipple reconstruction. And, and that's important cosmetically, but also just for person's uh, euphoria of their body. When you, e even if you're a breast cancer survivor, it's huge. There are multiple, there are talented tattoo artists out there that can do wonderful 3d tattoos of nipples to recreate that for women who have had breast cancer and even men who have had breast cancer, but also uh, individuals who have gone through this transition one thing that I will talk about, and I'm a little unsure about this, and I and forgive me, but I feel like it's imp important. Um, phalloplasty, it, that is where the process of reconstruction of a neopenis and kind of giving more of the 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 implant, more of that that look of the of the male body. And there's different levels of that depending on money and resources. There are different ways of achieving that where the clitoris and hormones are basically utilized to reconstruct the penis. And then there's some implants in there to give that shape and, and feel so that intimacy can be enjoyed to some level. And again, to this point, I don't think we know where if Ellie has We don't know. This. And it would never have to. We're not saying anybody- would, It's you know, not our place. I yeah. don't care. I'm not in, if I'm in a relationship with them on an intimate level, then that would matter. Um, but it was something that I personally found interesting because one, I don't care about the meal penis. It's not my thing. I just, that's not who I am, but that's, that's how I feel. And I didn't want to shy away from the conversation. I wanted to put that out there. Like there is that possibility of that happening. We talk about in a couple of our episodes about tuck about from male to female about how there's a tuck surgery to, to create um, a vaginal canal in that look and look and feel of, of a female, a female body of a, and, a vaginal canal. And what, isn't it great in this day and age that I, I do love the fact that basically you can do as much or as little as you want. I'm, yeah. I'm not talking finances right now. Just, just you personally. Yeah. Do as much or as little as you want and still be identified how you want to be identified. Exactly. That's an amazing thing that we're at. I so appreciate the fact that, that, you know, when I'll talk more about that in, in my review sure. part, so I'll leave sure. that alone. So sure. sorry, I'm going to go off on that. So. No. So the, the other thing I wanted to touch up on this, and this is something that Elliot Page has talked about is, which is gender dysphoria, which led to a lot of anxiety and panic attack. Because they were, as they became more and more famous, they were getting more and more female-based roles. They had a wonderful manager who met, who absolutely meant well, was a wonderful person, but was like, you're a female, you wear heels, you wear dresses, and here's all these outfits, and here's all these things that you're supposed to do, and oh, here's more outfits for you to wear, and here's all more female-based things. And it just, it didn't match their, their gender identity, and it became more and more distressing for them because they were suffering through gender dysphoria and through counseling and self-reflecting and time, they were able to, to work through that and still work through that. I, I honestly can't speak to where they're at in that process, but obviously we're in a conversation now where they're able to express a, a gender euphoria where they are seeing the results of a, a male identifying physique and they're, and they're happy and they're like, ah, I have a chest and I can, I look a certain way and I'm, I feel a certain way. And that's, it's, it's fantastic. I, so based off of that, it's important that if you're someone or know someone who might have a dysphoria, whether it's a gender dysphoria or any other form, I guess, dysphoria, it could be skin dysphoria, it could be body dysphoria. Those are things that 
should not be treated as like, well, just get over it because it's not that simple. And a lot of times individuals just need to be able to talk to a professional who supports them and can walk them through that process. Um, and there are some resources like uh, online, most places around the world can get a hold of this is betterhelp.com. That's B-E-T-T-E-R help.com and talk space. That's T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E.com. These are not sponsors of our show, but if you want to be sponsors of our show, hit us up. These are great resources. You can get, you can go online. You can look at resources that may work for your time zone uh, and access in your particular country. If there is one in your country that you feel will be best served by our community, please connect with us at quinundrum at quinundrum.com so that we can make sure to put that on our website. That's, that is what I have uh, for Elliot. My, my closing on that is, Fuck yeah. Live your truth. I am so excited to see the new things that they're, that you're coming up with. Continue to support our community in the best way that you can. And those of you who can support Elliot, please do. And that's what I got. All right. Very good job. Thank you. Do you have anything you wanted to close out on Elliot before we jump into our quick corner? I don't think so. I think we, I think we covered it all pretty well. Fantastic. All right. Hey, stick with us as we jump into a quick corner. If you're joining us, uh, you know, mid mid series, we are, have changed our queer corner to include uh, news and popular culture. And we are t- keeping our questions and uh, conversations that are, I don't know, beautiful in nature to our social media accounts. And, you know, you know, just connect with us there. So uh, stick with us. Oh. Hey, welcome to our queer quarter. Corner, 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 <laughs> We got a hold of a sound engineer. We're working on it. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to our segment of the queer corner. And um, we're just, I'm going to have Gear Bear over here jump off with popular culture if you're ready to rock and roll over there. Yeah. So if you listen last, time to my review i didn't mean to but literally right after i said i was going to tell you if it was a good i used to only review good things now i've been reviewing good and bad and Mm -hmm. i had to actually watch several things because i wasn't going to do another bad one immediately so and i appreciate it because god (laughs) last last week's was yeah so and they tried i'm always gonna say they they tried tried hard they tried they really did they tried it was rough so i ended up in in honor of pride month i've been watching the docu-series called Pride. It's available on Hulu and on FX. Just the, the basic synopsis of it is Pride is an American documentary television miniseries revolving around the LGBT rights in the United States decade by decade. And it consists of six episodes, each are about an hour long, okay? And I actually watched the first episode of this when Dean and I were spending the night in Denver before we came to see you guys so oh. yeah so we watched the first episode there and then i was like oh wait a minute i remember this i need to look it up and i go i'm sure it's on hulu because it's fx you know so sure so um in the middle of watching this i'm only halfway through it but i'm gonna say it is outstanding is it, it is okay. it jumps around but in a good way it does bits where it does docudrama of, of somebody who was queer in the fifties and showing having an, a person go through what they were going through as most of the time that queer person's talking in the background. So you get to how they felt as it's all going on. Before I get too much more into that part of it, I'm going to talk to you about the fact that there's, it has in it, Christine Jorgensen. For those of you who don't know, she was the first well-known transgendered woman she was like became a mini celeb in the 19 mid 1950s because she quote unquote looked like a woman when she went to the surgery she went to sweden had the surgery done came back and people fell in love with her they loved her but as they say in the documentary of course they loved her she was white and she was blonde hair and blue eyed so of course they loved her you know there was mm-hmm. you know it was you know they were at the same time women of color trying to do the exact same thing and they were ignored you know so of course they right. loved her of course and uh she was actually the reason they uh, got big into the hormone replacements because it showed 
that she did it and it made her very feminine looking. And so that's where it became a big thing to do hormone replacements, where as you get more in documentary, a lot of transgender people don't want to do that. They like who they are, but they just, instead of being male or female, they, they want to be the other. So I enjoyed that part of it. So we have in this series, um, people who are part of the queer community, allies, whatever, should know a lot of these names. Christine Jorgensen, Flawless Sabrina, Cyan Dorishow, Susan Stryker, Kate Borenstein, David Spade, Raquel Willis, Christine Vachon, Margaret Cho, John Walters, Jewel Gomez, Anne Northrup, Zachary Brucker, Jules Gill-Peterson, Cece McDonald, Brontes Purnell, B. Ruby Rich, Chase Sandrero, Michael Musto, and Tez Anderson. I'm sorry, you had a question for me? No, just Oh, wow. okay. These are all people that are, that are in the show and a bunch more that they didn't list here. You, What is wonderful about this is most of them have their own personal experiences to tell. For that reason alone, it's wonderful to watch. What I really enjoyed about the first episode in particular was that in the very beginning, they talk about the years before the 50s. And really, amongst family in particular, homosexuals were accepted. They, you know, they might be a little weird, but they were accepted. They were like equivalent of the crazy aunt, you know, but they were accepted. It wasn't the big deal became in the 50s because of McCarthy. McCarthy made it an issue because those of you who don't remember what McCarthy did, he tried to, he did the red scare. Yeah. He tried to get people's lavender yeah. scare. I know. Shut up. You don't know what you're saying yet. <laughs> he started off with the red scare. Oh, yes. Because of the communism. So. Yes, yeah, that's right. So. It was communism, <laughs> BS. And I say this shut up in complete love. Just shut up. Let me talk. <laughs> Please go on about the asshole McCarthy. <laughs> so he tried to do the red scare. And that did scare, in particular, Hollywood um, about nobody wanted to be known as a communist. But in the end, that it fell apart. And he, he was, he lost what he was, he, he lost his cool. He lost where he was going his traction. And so he switched it to the queer community. And as you're rightfully said, then that was called the lavender scare and tried to scare people into going back into the closet. And he sadly did a really good job and this, an amazing job at it. Um, you need to watch this, the questions that these people were asked, especially in the fifties, it, it hurts your soul to see some of the things they were asked about. We should actually talk about that in a couple episodes. We should talk about the results of that. Because I feel like our history right now is on the precipice of something of that level. And I think we will as we, I, I think it'd be a good thing to get into talking about that. Um, and then all the people who, I just got emotional. All the people who uh, were involved in that time frame who stopped living their happy lives so that they weren't, so that they could be quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been something we've had to deal with for years. So yeah. for that reason, watch this six part documentary. Each, each episode is a different uh, decade. So 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Watch it. Yeah. You will learn something. With me, I learned a lot which I didn't realize. So that's what I love about our show. We learned so much because there's so much of our community that just have been closeted. Our history is closeted. Our, our stories are not told and any sort of educational based form, except for maybe some exclusionary options there. But generally speaking, it's not a topic of conversation. So with that, with that, let's we'll jump into do your news. What, yes. what, what news do you have today, Holly? All right. Us? So in Holly Hot's takes everything you wanted to know about LBGTQ news, but we're afraid to ask. I have a few wonderful things I would like to talk about. So uh, the LBGTQ Essential Data Act was reintroduced to help the LBGTQ community. So those of you who don't know, in 2019, this was a, a, a particular bill that was put forth and was denied, and it was put forth again here in 2021, and it and it passed. So basically, this is the bill 
here in the United States that will require law enforcement to record information in the CDC National Violence Death Reporting System. What that means is that in the case of Martha P. Johnson, who was brutally murdered and was ruled a suicide, they would actually go through and ask friends and family more qualifying questions that would then be registered in the database and likely would have flagged that that particular death as a homicide related to uh, LBGTQ. And so the data is now going to be collected so that we can have legitimate information, facts to take to our legislation, say, look, the death among transgender individuals is on a rise because it is. It is on a rise right now. Uh, There's domestic hate groups here in the United States specifically that are targeting our transgender community and our youth and in, in, in resulting in, in death and or suicide because of de- being pressured and bullied. So basically, if somebody of our community uh, dies and it's not very clear how that individual's life has, has, has expired, law enforcement is now required to, to go and ask questions and investigate it on on these particular grounds and register this information so that we can have bills and legislation support our community going forward. So this is this is fantastic. I, I know it's a small little step or pebble in the grand ocean, whatever metaphor you want to go with, but it's huge, especially as a person in the science scientific community. I know data speaks loud. I know our actions speak loud. So when we march uh, when we boycott, when we do certain things, those speak volume, but data does not lie. And I, I love that we have this opportunity for that. Uh, in other news, the U.S. bishops have, so the Roman Catholic bishops, and this is as of June, early June, have been discussing whether or not politicians, specifically President Biden, whether or not they, they can receive communion while actively supporting abortion and LBGTQ rights. Now, I'm going to rephrase this. Actively supporting women's rights and LGBTQ rights. They're specifically calling out abortion here, but legit, like Biden and numerous politicians have specifically been supporting women's rights, and that does include abortion. Uh, and there's, they're very specific on what that looks like, and we get so many different definitions and results of what this looks like. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not Biden should even get communion. He is a devout Catholic. He supports the holidays, holidays. Like he is a devout Catholic president individual and has always been. So for as long as I, as long as I have known, he's just always has been. And to deny somebody that is, is, is discrimination. It, they're basically just being dickheads. Uh, so there's a lot of discussion happening right now up in the hierarchies of the bishops and the Catholic Church to discuss the long-term impact of this. But they, basically it comes down to God is love, and if this is part of our love of the church, by denying pres- President Biden or anybody in a political position because they support LBGTQ rights and or women's rights, they are they are basically setting a precedence that – uh, if you're in, if you're actively sinning, don't come to church. Just don't even bother. Okay, so my take on this, yes. I just have to do my take. Please, on this, you, yes, share. Why is it that when they are so, when the Catholic Church, talking Catholics right now, but really this takes care of a lot of churches, when they are so against women's rights, queer rights, abortion is the big one that's been making the news. It's always been the last day yeah. or two. Why isn't then why don't Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, who are part of this fight, say, fuck it. okay, I'm going to go become part of the Episcopalian Church, which is Catholic light. But they follow that they let they allow all this stuff. So that's my I just want to add in there that that's what pisses me off. Is that that, that's a great question. And here's my stance on that. And it's I don't know if this is the proverbial devil's advocate on that, but it's just because a subsect of your religion is hateful and discrimination discriminating doesn't mean you should jump ship. I do not believe that the Catholic church was ever supposed to be. I don't think the, 
the, the re- religion in general is supposed to be discriminatory, whether it's it's Muslim, it's Jewish, it's Christian, it's Baptist, it's Jehovah, whatever. I do not believe it was intended initially to be discriminatory, but to build a relationship with God. And your relationship with God is out of love and the love of for each other. And I think man has perverted that a lot. I think our cultures and our and our our own human ways have perverted that. Again, this is my view. I am not a religious scholar by any means. I'm not a I am a thespian. Uh, I'm not I'm not a theologian. <laughs> Gary, you want to say something? Yeah, I want to say more. <laughs> his, his palms are itching. When he wants to say more, he will literally rub his hands together to say, I have something to say. I want to raise my hand. So here we go. But this again, my opinion. But when you want to make change happen, you have to put a stand. You have Agreed. to stand up. And it's so a- as much as I love Biden and Pelosi, if they continue going to the Catholic church, mm-hmm. and we're talking Catholics right now, mm-hmm. all they're doing is saying, look, I," and they can still say they believe in God, but they need to say, I'm not going to set foot in this church anymore. Mm-hmm. I will go to Episcopalian Methodist any of these churches that accept these things at that point, then that's when these kind of the Catholic church is dying. I'm not, they are truly dying yes. because they, they keep changing the rules to best suit them. Like almost all religions do. But right now we're talking the Catholic church. They, it used to be, you know, years, years, hundreds of years ago, priests could marry. They didn't care. And so now this is happening. We've gone through in the last 20 years, we're finding out about all the abuse that has gone on. Now they're saying you can't, you, 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 you can't, that they're, they're telling people they have to decide whether they, they're allowed on their own to view pro-choice, queer is okay. Fuck them. It's time for these people to make a stand and say, you know what? Theoretically, they have friends who have had those situations. Nancy Pelosi is a woman. Dr. Biden is a woman. There's a point where they have to say, fuck it. I'm going to go to this other church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the stand they need to vocally put out. There. And they may. They may. I don't. I'm obviously not behind the doors on that. Yeah. I may get you. Sorry. To know. I know. No, I went off on this. <laughs> there's so many ways to navigate that conversation. I don't disagree with you. I don't know what the, the right answer is on this. Um, but I do know that the wrong answer is denying somebody uh, the right of communion. Anyway, moving on, (laughs) moving on. All right. Hey, some news out of India. So the India court has called for sweeping reforms in respects to the LBGT rights. This is early June. Uh, The court in India ordered state and federal officials on Monday to draw plans for sweeping reforms in respect to LBGTQ rights in a ruling that went far beyond the narrow terms of the case brought by a lesbian couple who said that they had been harassed by police. So a little bit more on that, because I feel like this is important. This is very much like the Bascot conversation, which I'll jump back into, which is here in the United States in 2019. Uh, So here we have a judge out of the Maduras High Court ruled in favor of the couple who had complained that the police had subjected them to harassing questioning after their parents filed a missing persons report. The judge also used the opportunity to issue a broad ruling that called for the elimination of what he described as illegal discrimination against members of the LGBTQIA plus community. He ordered state and federal government departments to report back with steps that they they intend to take in order to comply. Among his recommendations was police and government officials should be given awareness training to ensure that they respect the the LGBT rights and medical practitioners who claim to be able to cure homosexuality should have their license revoked. This is huge. This is taking once this is taking one and two steps beyond the original complaint and saying no, we're going to start setting some precedents here. I which is fantastic coming out of India. I'm, I'm loving this. 
Uh, update on that Ghana report of the 21 detained LBGTQ uh, activists. Um, as of uh, early June, so we're looking at like June 4th-ish, their application to have their bail uh, heard has been denied. And they're being detained for another for another two weeks while right, well, various different groups and uh, legal groups continue to fight on their behalf. I'll update you as we get more information on that. Um, but this, it's, it's important to keep up on those conversations. And that is, that is, that is my wrap up for right now. Uh, next week, if I have any more information on, on any of these particular developing stories, I will definitely share with you all. And that's, that's what I got. What do you have uh, to, for closing out? Gary, do you have any questions? Nope. I think it was great. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on our show, Queer Nondrum. Please connect with us on our social media accounts. Give us any ideas and conversations you would like to talk about. And until then, be well. And be wonderfully queer. Ooh, yeah. Thank you for connecting with us on this week's Conundrum. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Quernundrum Podcast. And email us at queernundrum at queernundrum.com. And please rate and review us on iTunes. Until then, peace and be well. And be queer.